Matthew chapter 4. We'll be continuing our series called Follow Me in just a couple of minutes. I wanted to highlight for you a few things uh, before that. Tonight is Soak service. If you've never been to Soak, it's our monthly prayer and worship gathering. Uh, no, no sermon, no offering, no announcements. We just come together once a month to be refreshed, to be revived, to, uh, to reconnect with God. And uh, I want to say to those of you who know our theme this year's Breakthrough, this is really the way that we continue to, as it were, fast and pray and seek God all year long. So I want to ask you to join us tonight. It's going to be uh, a great time together of worship and prayer. And then also, um, let me point your attention to uh, our uh, Easter highlights. Our ushers are coming now and they're handing you an Easter invitation. And then on the screen, I want to show you something. This is our uh, Easter uh, this is our website. You can click on the main button and uh, for the Easter banner that will be scrolling across the next several weeks. And it will bring up a secondary page that will show you how you can get involved in Easter. Easter is a gigantic opportunity. It's kind of hard to fit all on that screen, I think. But you get the idea. Go ahead and scroll up and let's see if we can see what's at the bottom of it. I think it's, I think it's hung on the ceiling tile or something. Anyway, um, our website is Responsive Technology which means that it will reformat itself to any device you look at it on. So, for example, if you pull your phone out right now, it'll, it'll reframe itself to fit your phone. At the bottom of the screen are some ways to get involved. Easter is a gigantic opportunity to, to serve, to reach, to touch, to inspire, to communicate the gospel with people uh, who, really, who really need to know that Jesus loves them and Jesus cares. There are three ways you can get involved. Uh, one is to invite, and you can see on our screen, uh, when you go to our website, there's three buttons at the bottom. Simply, it just says, serve, invite, and follow. Uh, you can invite. We've given you this graphic. Uh, you, you can get a copy of that graphic just by pushing invite. You can do anything in the world you want with it. You can download it. You can put it on Facebook. You can email it to somebody. You can put it on Instagram or Twitter, or you can make your Facebook homepage that. Uh, you can do whatever you want with it. It's yours now. And so I want to encourage you over the next several weeks, go ahead and use that as an opportunity to invite people to Easter service. Uh, also, our campus will be uh, mega crowded on Easter Sunday. That's why we have three services, 8, 9, 15, and 10, 30. So this service, uh, Easter morning, will start at 9, 15 uh, instead of 9. And uh, we, we need a lot of folks to help us serve that day. And so you can sign up to greet you can sign up to um, help us in greeting in uh, the parking lot, greeting inside. There's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, we need a lot of folks to sign up and help us. So Resurrection Sunday is, uh, is not just a day to, to celebrate. It's also a day to serve. And so I want to ask you to join us in serving and inviting. And then the last one that we've got there is just simply follow. Uh, there's a button that says that. But also, I want to invite you to follow me on Twitter uh, or Facebook. So you can find me, uh, J West, on Facebook, PJ West, Pastor J West, just the letter P stands for Pastor, on Twitter. And what I'm going to be doing between now and Easter is I'm going to be giving you a lot of updates uh, about Easter. I'm going to be giving you inspirational thoughts. I'll be sharing scriptures with you. I'll be sharing. So our, our desire is to, is to draw people into not Easter as an event or Easter as a day, but our desire is to minister the concept of resurrection. 
resurrection, new life, and what all it means and all its implications. And we can do that together. And you can share with your friends the things I'm sending out or, or whatever you want to do. But this is a huge opportunity. Uh, so I wanted to give you this card today so you'd be able to see what those invitations look like. We have those at the Welcome Center. Uh, again, you can get them online. We'll use that as a tool this morning as we pray. So just kind of keep it beside you. Now, uh, last week we talked about this new series we called Follow Me. And we talked about uh, the concept of Jesus' invitation. We talked last week about Matthew, the tax collector, how Jesus invited him to follow him. And so this kind of flies in the face of a lot of, a lot of modern Christian thought about how a person uh, becomes a Christian or has a relationship with Christ. We use phrases like this, you know, ask Jesus into your heart or pray the, pray the sinner's prayer or invite Christ into your life. The problem with those phrases is you're not going to find any of them in the Bible and Jesus never used any of them. So there might, there might be a theological difference. Invite Jesus into your heart is to say that you and I are the center and we're asking Jesus to come join us. But the gospel teaches us that Jesus is the center and he invites us to come join him. And so what actually happens is Jesus invites us. We're not inviting him into our life. He's inviting us into his. He's inviting us to to be a part of the new life and resurrection power of Christ. 21 times in the New Testament, Jesus said the phrase, come follow me. Uh, it was the most often given command he ever used in Scripture. Last week we talked about Matthew who was a tax collector and a long way away from God and probably a huge disappointment to his parents. And when we... When he started following Jesus, Jesus led him to a whole new life. If you, if you weren't here last week, boy, I really want to encourage you, jump on our podcast on iTunes and, and grab that message. It'll really set up some of what we talk about today for you. So last week we talked about how Jesus invites all of us to follow him in a new life. Now, this week uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about two more people in Scripture and how Jesus invited them to follow him, Andrew and Simon Peter. Look at Matthew chapter 4. Uh, 18 through 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Now this command in the original language that Jesus spoke it in is really very simple if you look it up in that language it says something like this Simon Peter and Andrew your place is following after me so follow me they would have heard it to mean your place your spot your groove the sweet spot where you belong in life is following me so uh, they dropped their nets maybe you know the story and they went and followed Jesus now Following Jesus isn't a small decision. It's a big decision. Uh, that's why when we do water baptism, it's such a big deal to us because that's a person's decision to say, I'm going to follow Christ. I'm not perfect now. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to do everything right. But man, I, I want to follow Christ. I have met Jesus and I want to follow him with my life. That's why that's a really big deal. But it is possible to know a lot about God and still not be a follower of Jesus. According to a recent study, Birmingham is the most 
churched city in America. It is the most churched city in America. Just one county down, Shelby County, the county that we live in, is by contrast the most unchurched county in the state of Alabama by church attendance. So the challenge in our area of the country is we have people who know a lot about Christianity. We have people who know a lot about church. We have people who have a lot of relatives who were pastors or deacons or board members or Sunday school teachers or whatever. We have a lot of people that are closely related to Christianity and the church and, and who probably think they know what Christianity is but really don't. So what is Christianity? Christianity is following Jesus. That's what it is. So our challenge is to continue to redefine it and 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 and try to keep defining it back in the authentic definition that we learn that it is in Scripture. So when Jesus asked Andrew and Simon Peter to follow him, he went to the seashore where they worked. Again, just like Matthew, he didn't wait for them to come to him. He went to the tax collector booth where Matthew was. He went down to the shore, the Sea of Galilee, where these guys were fishing, and he went and met them. Now, when Jesus first met Peter and Andrew, their goal in life was to be successful fishermen because that's where they were. That's not a bad goal. That's a good goal. There's nothing wrong with fishing. It's a respectable occupation. It's usually not going to make you rich, but it's steady work. Now, Peter and Andrew made their living on the Sea of Galilee. I want to I want to share a few thoughts with you for a few minutes about the Sea of Galilee because I think it helps you picture and contextualize this this encounter that Jesus had with these two guys. Uh, The Sea of Galilee is not really a sea. Uh, It's actually a lake. And it's not salt water, it's fresh water. Now, I want to show you, I got a map this morning. I want to show you the Sea of Galilee. Uh, We'll bring it up. Here it is. This is a modern-day map. Right here where the little, the little A, the little green A bubble is, that's the Sea of Galilee. You can see here's Israel and Lebanon and Jordan. The Sea of Galilee was about 12 and a half miles north to south and I think about 7 miles across in its widest spot. It had about, in, in Jesus' day, it had about 16 harbors on the lake and villages where people would you know, fish out of or boat or whatever they were going to do. Uh, The lake was about 200 feet deep in its deepest spot, and it was absolutely jam-packed with fish. So fishing was a good thing to do uh, in this time. Now, there are three primary fish that you catch. This is fed by the Jordan River. There are three primary fish you catch in this river or in this lake. Actually, uh, one of those fish, or one of the more popular fish that people eat out of the lake, listen to this, is called St. Peter's Fish, and I've got a I got a picture of the fish that I wanted to show you. There it is. Now, they don't come like that out of the water. That one's been cooked. Just so you'll know, you can't catch them with lemon and bread. You actually have to do something else with it. But this is, this is called, even to this day, St. Peter's Fish. That's the name of it. Because uh, the Apostle Peter was such a, a famous guy through history around the lake. Now, the lake's a significant location because a lot of Jesus' ministry and a lot of Jesus' miracles happened on or around this lake. Four of Jesus' twelve disciples lived on this lake. And he called them to follow him from that location. This is the lake that Jesus uh, was in the boat when the storm came up and he stretched his hand out on the water and he said, Peace be still. 
and the water went flat. This is the lake that Jesus walked on water. A lot of people think it was on the lake shore somewhere that Jesus fed the 5,000 people, took the fish, maybe even St. Peter's fish, here and, and multiplied it in prayer, and it fed 5,000 people. So Jesus meets them at the lake shore, and he says, follow me. And he wasn't really asking them to quit fishing. He was just asking them to fish for something more important. To fish not just for fish, but fish for people. So if you have something to write with this morning, I want to give you three things that we learn from Jesus' invitation to Simon, Peter, and Andrew to follow him. Three things that apply to us. They apply to them and they apply to us. Here's the first one. Following Jesus means greater purpose. Following Jesus means greater purpose. So in Matthew's life, we saw that following Jesus meant new life. We follow Jesus and we are transformed. We have a new life. We are going to heaven. We have a, we've been recreated, the Bible tells us. The old has passed away. The new has come. Following Jesus means a new life. But following Jesus also means greater purpose. I can remember when I was um, 15 years old and I'd first given my life to Christ and started to follow Him and the change that was happening in me. And I can remember when I first, it first dawned on me that God didn't just want me to be in relationship with Him. God actually wanted to use me to, I don't mean like, like I'm doing today, just as a Christian, just as a person, just as a, a person that followed him, not as a pastor, a minister. I didn't know anything about that at that time. But it, 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 I remember when God helped me to see, he wanted to use me to touch other people's lives, to minister to them, to make a difference, to reach out, to share his love, to let other people know, to make an... I can remember that was such an unbelievable thought to me that God wanted to use me to help somebody else find what I found. It was, it was amazing. I thought, I mean, I didn't know much about the Bible. I didn't know much about how everything... And I thought, why? Why would you... Just do it. <laughs> you don't need me. I'm probably going to mess it up. I'm probably going to get in the way. But I can remember what a profound and thought. See, this is what happened to these guys when Jesus said, follow me. He said to them, follow me to greater purpose. You're fishing, but I want you to fish. You're catching fish, but I want you to catch people. There's, there's something more going on. So to Jesus, fishing was a bridge. It was a bridge that Jesus used to help them find the greater purpose that he called not only them, but all Christians to. So when Jesus met them, they're fishing for fish. Now Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. So to hunt and to fish for people's spiritual life is God's work. But now what God wants to do is he wants to give his work to them. Now this is a profound shift that Jesus calls all of us to. It's a shift from just working for earthly purposes to working for heavenly purposes. So how about you? In your own life, how's that going? What purposes are you working for? Now, surely you're working to provide for your family. You're trying to get your kids through school. You, you know, whatever level that they're on, you're providing food and shelter for your family. But hopefully that's not the only purposes that you're working for. This is what, this is what Peter and Andrew were working for when Jesus found them. But what he's saying to them is, I want to give you a greater purpose. This isn't wrong, this isn't bad, this is necessary, and this is good. And God uses it and works in it. 
But I want to give you now a greater purpose. And because of, because of the person, see, here's what that looks like in our life. The, there will be people in life that will make decisions about God. There will be people in life who we will impact. And there will be people in life because, because of how we live, because of what we say, because of what we do, because of the people that we are, because of, of how we reach out, because of our investment in other people's lives, other people will make decisions about God. They'll make decisions on whether they're going to follow or not. So following Jesus serves a greater purpose other than just making it to the finish line uh, without, with as little suffering as possible. It means making a spiritual impact on the people around you who are far away from God. Now this whole idea of fishing for people has kind of fallen on hard times in America. I don't know if you know currently what's happening in America, but the only state in America where Christianity is growing. I'm not talking about a church growing. I'm not talking about a denomination growing. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the big picture where the percentage of Christians inside a local state is increasing. There's only one state in the country, it's Hawaii. Now, I don't know if that's because that's God's country, I don't, know, I don't know what that's about. But the only place in America where the percentage of Christians are growing is, is in Hawaii. So Christianity then, in most states, isn't even holding its own. It's, it's receding. So this idea of fishing for people has kind of fallen on hard times. But when I want you to picture for a minute when Jesus met Simon, Peter, and Andrew, there was no Christianity. Not, not hardly. I mean, it was just at the beginning. There was nothing happening. There was nothing really going on yet. Nobody in the world really was Christian so much. But nevertheless, Jesus spoke to them on the side of the lake of Galilee, and he spoke to them and said, look, come follow me. So Jesus' greater purpose is to seek and save the lost. Jesus calls us as we follow him, we follow him in that greater purpose. So here's the second thing that we learn from these guys' life. Following Jesus not only means greater purpose, following Jesus means becoming greater people. Now this encourages me. It encourages me a lot because I think of the way we've processed this uh, we've, we've slighted what God wants to do in us as he's doing something through us. Matthew 4.19 says, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Maybe this verse is more familiar to you if you've heard it before sounding like this. I will make you fishers of men. Listen to the, what the original language. Let me give you the, probably the best translation of this verse. Come follow me and I will build you into fishers of men. I will build you. I will develop you. I will construct you. I will grow you. I will expand you. I will prepare you. So following Jesus doesn't mean having a greater purpose alone. It also means having Jesus help. Now that's really good news. Jesus doesn't just say, hey, uh, go fish for people. I'm going to heaven. I'll meet you there. Jesus says, I'll help you. So our following of Jesus makes us better at what Jesus wants us to do. Now, I'm so glad to hear that because, to be honest with you, there's days I'm just not good at it. And there's days when I look around and I say, man, I should have said something. I should have, I should have done something. I should have 
reached out. I should have done something. There are days that I look around and I say, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you ever do that? You say, I- I'm not sure I could have messed it up more. I can remember a few years ago I was on a plane ride. Uh, there was a guy on the plane with me and somehow the conversation struck up. And I thought, man, you know, this might be... I- I'm like the anti-evangelist plane story. You know, every- everybody I hear tell the story about, they got on the plane, everybody on the plane got saved, they all went to heaven, you know, revival broke out. Well, I'm like the anti... I'm the opposite of that. I'm on the plane with the guy, he's sitting there. This guy's like a, like a brained-up atheist or something. I'm not sure what he is, but he's done read all this background. He's done read all this. He's asking me about the Bible. He finds out what I do. He's asking me about Scripture, asking me about this. He's talking about writing and in a different writing style and a different writing path and ancient history. I'm t- this guy, I couldn't get off the plane fast. This guy wore me out. I'm just telling you the truth. He wore me out up one side and down the other. He asked me questions I didn't know the answer to. He said things about the Bible I'd never heard. And he wanted me to read books I'd never read. And, and I said, man, I got off that plane and said, oh, Jesus. <laughs> what have I done? And I thought, and I just left that frustrated going, I, I wish there was something else. I wish I knew what to do. I wish I knew what to say. I wish I had better answers for some of his questions. I wish I, you know, I, I, I wish something. And I just, I just kind of hit a wall there. But you know what that makes me? Now, now I, I, want you, I want you to listen to me because too often all the stories we tell end good. But if you've ever tried, you know all the stories don't end good, at least not from our view or in the way we hoped. I'm so glad that Jesus is still with me and he's still helping me and he's building me into a fisherman. I'm not the finished product. This is not how it's going to look when it's over. Oh, he looks bad today, but just wait. Jesus isn't done. And he's not done with you. Thank God. He's not done with you. He's not done yet. I'm glad that he's covering my mistakes and he's building me and encouraging me and strengthening me and making me better because sometimes, to be honest, I feel like it's all up to me. You ever feel that pressure? It's all up to you. Too many times we believe it's all up to us, but Jesus never said anything remotely like that. He said to them, come follow me and I will build you. I will make you. I will help you. I will be with you even under the end of the earth. It's good news. Jesus never abandons us to anything he asks us to do. Uh, maybe you've heard this story before. It's a story about a fisherman who was in his boat in the middle of the lake and decided to fish with dynamite. Anybody? This is a, I think they would call this a shortcut. So he's out there, he's lighting dynamite, he's throwing it in the water, blows up, all the fish rise to the top, he goes and scoops them, he's killing it. This is my kind of fisherman, i got to be honest with you. I, you know, I, I like to fish with people who know how, because I don't, and when I go, I want to catch fish or I want to go home. I'm not all about, you know, meditating while I'm out there. I, I, oh, let, let's catch the fish or let's go do something else. Or let's shoot something. And so he's out there throwing the dynamite in, blowing it up. Fish are coming up. He's scooping it up. Just as he's scooping up a a, a big batch of fish, the game warden makes his way out to the man's boat in the middle of the lake. And the warden says, hey, he's yelling at him because he's seeing what he's doing. Don't you know that's illegal? Don't you know you'll go to jail for that? You are under arrest. How do you call yourself a fisherman? So the guy who was fishing with dynamite calmly lit another stick of dynamite. He threw it over in the game warden's boat and he said, you going to talk or you going to fish? 
Let that <laughs> sink in there. Jesus redefined the whole way that Simon, Peter, and Andrew thought about fishing. He took something that they already knew and he said, now I want to give you a greater purpose in this and I want to make you greater people. I'm not just giving it to you and leaving. I'm giving it to you and I'm going to walk with you. I want you to make a difference. You and I are here to make a difference. Now here's the last one. Following Jesus means greater purpose, it means greater people, and it means greater peace. Greater peace. After Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to Simon Peter. I think this is so interesting. If you know the geography, where do you think, where do you think Jesus is going to appear to Simon Peter after he is resurrected? He comes right back to the Sea of Galilee. Right back to the lake. Right back where he found him. And the reason he comes there is because uh, Peter's become so discouraged in his own denial of Christ and in Jesus' death that he doesn't know what else to do. He throws his hands up and he goes back fishing. And there he is. And that's where Jesus finds him. And so Jesus appears to him there and maybe you know the story. He calls him to the shore and they have breakfast and over breakfast Jesus says to him, do you love me? The the first time this relationship started, Jesus says, follow me. Now he says, do you love me? And Simon Peter says, yeah, yes. Do you love me? Jesus, you know everything. You know I love you. He asks him again, do you love me? (laughs) You're hurting me. You're hurting my feelings. (laughs) Don't let that thing with me being discouraged and quitting and going back fishing. Don't let that mislead you. I really do. I really do. I just didn't know what else to do. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Now the metaphor's changed, but the calling hasn't. We went from fish to sheep. But it's still about people. And Jesus says, follow me now. It's almost like Simon Peter saying, I got sidetracked on what was important to you. I let other things become more important. I let discouragement eclipse what you wanted. And then as Jesus says, feed my sheep, he's drawing Simon Peter back to that beginning spot. And this is important because this is where Jesus first met him. Now, a few years have gone by since Jesus said, follow me. And Jesus has been crucified. He's died. He's rose from the dead. He's reappeared to uh, Peter now. And now they've kind of come back full circle. Jesus seems to have trouble keeping Simon Peter focused. He gave him his vision for his life the first time they ever met. You will be a fisher of men. That's what I want you to do. But he seems to have trouble keeping him focused. So Jesus gives Simon Peter after this, the same chapter, John 21, some earth-shattering news. He, and not everybody gets to know this. I'm not, I'm not sure most people want to know this. Jesus tells Simon Peter how he's going to die. And it's not going to be good. It's not going to be pretty. And Simon Peter, after hearing, do you love me, feed my sheep, this is all in one setting. 
This is overwhelming to them. So as they're talking, John, the, uh, one of the other disciples, goes walking by. And that's where we pick the story up in John 21, 21. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? I mean, I mean if I got to die, and I got to die like that, what's going to happen to that guy? Because, I mean, to be honest with you, I feel like I served you at least as good as he did. Right? I mean, I feel like, I mean, I feel like I've done at least as much as he has. And Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain until I come, again, what is that to you? You follow me. If you're honest, if you just kind of take the mask off, don't you find that that's one of the really hardest things in life to do? We tend to have one eye out there on following Jesus and doing what he wants. And we tend to have another eye surveying the horizon, looking for all the injustices that have been done to us in life. And it causes us to compare. Well, 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 well what about this? And unless we surrender it, we do compare. And we deal with jealousy and insecurity and frustration and discouragement. And Why does that person have that talent and I don't? I mean... I, can you believe how, how they complain after all they have? Why does God use that person like that and he doesn't use me? When is it my turn? Why does all the good stuff happen to somebody else? Why do I struggle so hard while they have it so easy? When you think about it, you might want to wrap your heart around this thought. When you think about it, most of our unhappiness and frustration comes when we don't know where we belong or when we're trying to lead rather than follow Jesus. I want to say that again. Most of our unhappiness and frustration comes when we don't know where we belong. We don't know our place and we don't know what Jesus has called us to. Uh, or, or we're refusing to do it because we're trying to lead rather than trying to follow. Yes, God, I'll follow you. We sang it a few minutes ago. Yes, I've decided I'll follow you, but this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow you, but I'm going to do it on my terms. I'm going to follow you, but this is how. Yes, Lord, I, I, if you'll make my dreams come true, I'll follow you. Okay, God, I'll follow you, but I, I'm going to go after this relationship whether you say I should or not. I'm going to throw off conventional wisdom. I'm going to throw off the wisdom of a multitude of counselors. I'm going after this. Just let me have this one thing. And Jesus brings Simon Peter back to the beginning and he says, What difference does it make what happens to John? You follow me. You, you know, one thing I, I've learned is when you start throwing the questions at Jesus and when you start pounding your fist on the table and demanding answers it's likely all you're going to hear back is a gentle whisper from God saying, now you follow me. Jesus is not going to entertain our insecurities. He's not going to, he's not going to entertain our shallow comparisons. He won't be sucked in. But he'll just stand where he is and say, now, now what does that have to do with anything? You follow me. What does that have to do with what I want you to do? And apparently Simon Peter learned it. He left the lake and he preached the first sermon the church ever heard. He became a missionary of sorts to the Jews. He wrote a couple of books of the New Testament, First and Second Peter. Some people even think that he wrote the Gospel of Mark. 
that he dictated it to John Mark. Church history tells us when the enemies of Jesus caught up with Simon Peter, who was being a missionary and sharing the gospel and fishing for people, when the enemies of Jesus caught up with him, uh, they killed him. He became a martyr for Christ because he refused to deny God again. He did it once. He refused to deny him. And so they wanted to kill him and teach other Christians, don't follow God. So they wanted to kill him in a really bad way. So they crucified him the same way they crucified Jesus. Except for one thing, when they crucified Simon Peter, Simon Peter said, listen, I don't, I'm not worthy to die the way that he did. And I don't want anybody to confuse me with who he was. I want you to turn my cross upside down and crucify me head on the bottom. Because I don't want to be, I don't, I'm not worthy to be in the same company he is. Somehow this hot-headed, impulsive man learned to follow. I think, I think when he died and he walked into heaven, <laughs> I think he walked straight into the arms of Jesus. And I think Jesus met him there and embraced him and said, you followed well. You followed well. Doesn't really matter what happened to John. Doesn't really matter what happened to anybody else. Doesn't really matter about the guy at work or the lady across the street. Doesn't really matter about your relative who always had it easier than you have. Doesn't matter about your sister or your brother or your mom or your dad. or your. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is you following. That's really the only thing that matters. Now this story sort of a this sort of a morbid place to end, but I hope I haven't lost you. What I'm talking about is greater peace. Now, what does this possibly have to do with greater peace? Peter must have found it. How else could he have stayed on the course he was on? He must have resolved those inner conflicts that we all have. And I'm gonna, I want to ask the worship team to come. He must have resolved those inner conflicts that he had. He must have found contentment in simply following Jesus. Now, look, most of the frustration and unhappiness that you and I have in life is when we don't know our place. We don't know where, what we're supposed to do. We don't know what we're supposed to be about. We don't, know, we, we don't know what following God means. And all of us have a calling to follow Him, but every one of us has a little different, unique path that we're on. There's the path that we're all on, and there's unique paths inside it that God puts some things on some of us and different things on other ones of us. And I don't understand why. I don't know the difference. Jesus doesn't offer to explain everything. What he does say over and over is follow me. So that's our purpose. There's uh, these four guys that were going to go fishing one weekend. And uh, these guys were avid fishermen. And uh, they've got a cabin in the woods by a lake. And they got to the cabin, and man, it was great. The sun was out. The water was pristine and clean and clear. And they had all their equipment. They'd been planning this for months. And they get, they get ready to do the, uh, the trip. They unload. They get in there. They spend the first night. They wake up the next morning, and a storm has moved in, and it is a torrential downpour, and it is just raining, raining, raining. They think, oh, my goodness, what do, what are we going to do? So they... They just make the best of it. They cook a little bit of stuff they find. They play some cards. Uh, by the next day, still raining. 
And now they're getting frustrated. Now they're starting to kind of nip at each other. Now they're kind of snipping and uh, saying bad things. Wake up the next morning, it's still raining. Now, now, now they're like, look, we took this time off, the whole trip's wasted, we can't even fish. Now they're starting to curse at each other and have conflict. And then the next day, they wake up and now they're in a fist fight. They're breaking stuff inside the cabin and fighting and hitting each other in the face. And all this frustration is built up and they don't know what to do with it. Now, look, here's the moral to the story. When fishermen don't fish, they fight. Jesus called you and I to fish. When we don't fish, the inner conflict, we never find peace. We never find peace because we've neglected the greater purpose of life. So I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. And we're just going to end this service very simply. I want to pray with you. And I'm, uh, if you'll just play softly. I just want to pray with you right where you are. If you'll, if you'll take that little card in your hand and you'll just hold it, that little Easter card, the invitation to Easter. I want to pray two things for you. Every eye closed, every head bowed. No prayer team. I'm not asking you to move. I'm just asking you to, to get to a spot where you can be still for a minute. And I want to pray for you. Here's my first prayer. I want to pray for those of you who have inner conflict. Because maybe you've compared yourself. Maybe you think it's all up to you. Maybe you've not measured up. And then I want to pray for all of us that we will do the following that Jesus called us to do this Easter. And this little card that's in your hand is actually, you're holding a missionary. This is a little missionary to our city, to our county, to the most unchurched community in the state. And how how will following Jesus guide you into someone else's life? Who who will you invite? Following Jesus might just start with an invitation. And by the way, somebody else following Jesus might start with an invitation for them. So hold that in your hand and let me just pray with you this morning. And as I'm praying, as this prayer touches your heart, I want you just to agree with me. I want you just to pray with me. I want you just to surrender and receive. Lord, I pray today for the people in this room who are struggling today because they fight jealousy or they fight comparison or they think that they don't measure up. Lord, I pray for those who are here today and have battled. I'm not as good as my older sister or my older brother or my spouse is better than I am or or for the person who tries to take more responsibility than they should, who, who carries the weight of the world on their shoulders for the one who compares himself to somebody else and says, I wish I was somebody else. I wish I was them. I wish I had their talent. I wish this. I wish that. I wish the other. Lord, today we surrender those things. We surrender those insecurities. We surrender those frustrations. We surrender not knowing our place. 
And today, Lord, we walk in confidence and we receive the power that you've given us. We receive the call that you've given us. We receive the invitation to be who we are and to follow you. Lord, we, we lay it down. Uh, come on. I, I, I just know we're praying through several issues that many of you in the room face. Come on, just pray them through with me and just say, Lord, I let that go today. I don't have to be anybody else. I don't have to pretend. I don't have, I'm not responsible for anything you've called anybody else to do. I'm only responsible for what you've called me to do. And so, Lord, today I receive freedom. I receive liberty. I walk in strength and courage today. Being freed from the pressure that maybe family or spouse or others or even myself, even I have put on myself. Lord, today I reject all pressure. I reject all expectation other than yours. And I am everything you say I am. I can do everything you say I can do. And I'm only responsible for what you've called me to do. Lord, I, I pray your peace this morning that comes from the freedom of walking in our place and following you. Now, Lord, I pray for the invitation. Would you just start to pray with me? Lord, I pray for this invitation. This invitation, whether spoken or written or printed or social media or wherever it goes, Lord, I pray that this invitation would find a soul that needs it. Lord, I pray this invitation would find the heart that needs it. God, I pray this invitation would be used as a missionary. I pray that, Lord, as I follow you, my following of you would lead me into conversations this week, would lead me into encounters, would lead me to say what you've put on my heart, would lead me to do what you've put on my heart, would lead me to make a difference. Would you just take that card and just raise it up? Just raise it up. Just take that card and just lift it up this morning and say, in Jesus' name, I believe that you are moving in this county. In Jesus' name, I believe that your gospel is spreading in this city. In Jesus' name, I believe the Holy Spirit is at work now, and I join you. Thank you for the invitation to follow you. Now use me to be a fisher of people. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Well, pray with us about Easter. It's going to be a great day.